Well, Laura mentioned, um, that's a sermon for another day, today's the day. Uh, but before we do that, I, I want to let the church know, <clears throat> um, Rob Shields and Addison Ailey, if you could stand please, um, Rob and Ad uh, have just come to this place this time in life um, when um, it's best for them. They're, they're resigning as deacons in this church. Uh, they're not resigning from the church. <laughs> Uh, they're not leaving that, uh, but they've served for a while, and they have served with honor and distinction. Uh, these two men are above reproach uh, with everything that I've ever uh, witnessed in their life, and uh, I think with everything that this church has witnessed. And so going into the new year, they're making some changes in their life, and it's important for us to understand this and realize this. They're going to continue, you know, to serve in different ways in the church and, and all kinds of stuff. You know, it's not, it's not cutting oneself off from the body. Uh, but this in its formal role uh, for these two men who have served well, uh, who have gained and, and certainly earned, I think, the respect from this church and my respect, that's for sure. Um, they're going to go ahead and lay down this role uh, to pick up something else. And so I thank you and uh, hopefully... We'll see where this uh, leads your life in the future. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. <clears throat> Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. I, I read this verse, I don't know, couple of weeks ago, um, about a week ago, I was doing some study, doing some reading, and this helps to shape not only my life, but it helps to shape my priorities day by day, what I care about, what I focus on. Uh, as a matter of fact, it almost, it almost is a reminder every morning that to Jesus I entrust my life, and that is the key. That's the most important thing that we can focus on in our lives. There's a lot of other important stuff, don't get me wrong, but this is perhaps, this is definitely the most important of our priorities. <clears throat> most of you have probably seen or heard about, I think it was, you know, last weekend, the games that were on, you know, football games, college football games. And while most of us do not like the outcomes of those, game, uh, that, those particular games, they were certainly good games. They were fun. We enjoyed it. Stayed up late to watch some of those games. Um, quarterback for Ohio State, C.J. Stroud. I don't know him personally. I, over the years, when I was in school there, I met some of these guys, but... I've never met him, never talked to him, um, and, and it's interesting the way, as you go through the season, it's interesting the way he started 
every press conference as they were as they were winning games. They were going through undefeated. They were winning games. They were doing wonderful things. He was he was putting up incredible numbers. And and he would start every press conference. You've probably heard it. He would start every press conference after the game the same way. He would say first and foremost, I want to give all the glory and praise to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I can understand that when you're winning, right? That's good when you're winning. I can do that when I'm winning games. I can do that when things are going my way. I can do that when I'm putting up incredible numbers and setting records and all kinds of wonderful stuff. Did you guys hear the press conference after the Michigan game? Did you hear the press conference after the loss to Georgia? He sat down before he said anything. He says, first of all, I want to give all the glory and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hard losses. Hard losses. In fact, his legacy is going to be that he was never a quarterback to beat, uh, you know, team up north. And yet he sits down and he says, first and foremost, I want to give all the praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you've given us this chance to grapple with today some of our priorities in our life. I thank you that you've granted us the gift of worship, but also the gift of learning and instruction. I ask, Father, that you will help us to remember this, to apply these precepts in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Apparently, you should listen to your parents when you were growing up. Who knew, right? Once in a while... They've got a few pearls that they drop, and, and they're absolutely right. And you, get, you get on later in years, and you look back, and you think, boy, I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have obeyed. I wish I would have done a number of things. In fact, I think I can only mention one, maybe two instances where we disagreed, and, and I came out correct. In fact, I still remember them because there was only one or maybe two. We should have listened to our parents. I've been confronted already at eight years old, with what seemed like major issues in Sam's life, my son's life, and in the lives of kids here in the church. And while I do my best to treat them with the patience and the empathy that the situation demands, I cannot help but think, look, years from now, son, you're not going to care. You're either not going to care, you're not even going to remember it. There have been times I've thought these things when Sam told me or talked to me about different things going on, different issues in his life, different things that upset him and so forth. And I've even mentioned this over time, buddy. Over time, this is not going to be a big deal. I know it seems important now, but you'll get through it and you'll move on. And of course, this comes from experience. Most of you know this, the experience of life. Priorities change. Interests change. These, there, there's things I'm interested in today that I was not interested in 20 years ago. There are things that I was very interested in 20 years ago that, frankly, today I could take or leave. It really doesn't make me any difference. They don't really amount to much over time. <clears throat> and, of course, my parents told me that growing up. We tell our kids that many times growing up. You know, when I was at uh, Ohio State, I remember I was at Ohio State. I was at OSU. I was not at Purdue. I was at OSU. All right? Okay. Let's just keep that. You raise your kids the way you want, okay? <laughs> I remember our class was asked to write down one thing that, if, if, that we could not lose. If we lost it, 
um, it would affect us deeply. It would just kind of rip our heart out. Uh, we, we were to write this down, and then we were going to have a, a class discussion. We are going to have a, a project with this. It would fill you with sadness if you lost this, or remorse, or fear, or hopelessness, whatever it was. You know, it's interesting. I can remember the instructor and, and what he looked like. Matter of fact, I always thought he looked like Mark Butler that was over at uh, uh, Ben Logan's. It wasn't him, but it looked like him. I can remember what he looked like. I remember the building we were in. I remember the room we were in. I had three friends in that class. I remember where I was sitting and where they were sitting. You know what I can't remember? What I wrote down. I have no idea what I wrote down. This was the one thing that was going to just destroy my life. I have no idea what I wrote down. The point is this. Very little of what we do. Not zero, but very little of what we do, very little of what we set our minds to, very little of what we focus on, actually lasts through life. And very little of it lasts through eternity. Life fills in. And then that goes away and more life fills in. Changes happen, priorities shift And you, with your own experience, you know this is true. Our castles, our kingdoms, our desires, our interests, our accomplishments, our failures, whatever it may be, our problems, our fears, even our joys and our victories, we do not want to base our whole life on these temporary things. Because if we base our whole life on something that's temporary, years down the road, it comes back to haunt us. We go back and say, man, I wish I would have known Proper priority. It's like the spring break tattoo, right? Yeah? I hope she had a pretty common name. That's all I'm going to say, all right? I loved her, man. Don't get the spring break tattoo. And don't do it in your life. Certainly don't do it for your kids. A lot of priorities do not remain priorities. What does remain a person? Church, when a person's created, they're created for the rest of eternity. You understand that, right? We've talked about this at length over this past year. And you're either going to exist for the rest of eternity in the presence of Christ, in the kingdom of God, in that glory and in that rest, or you're going to exist for the rest of eternity separated from all that is good. We are built to last And we either last in glory or we last in shadow. A person exists. Those you know, those you raise, those you care about love, those you interact with, the lives you come in contact with. Many of the acts and the jobs and the hobbies that we focus on are important. No one's suggesting that they're not important. Even God, writing to the Thessalonians through his servant Paul, you've heard this before, says, look, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't. That's just Bible, by the way, church. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. All right? But I see so much, and I see this every day. This is really bothering me. This was not a part of this original series. I see every day humanity focusing on the things that will not last and not focusing on the lasting things. They prioritize things that are going to change, that are going to fade, that are going to move, that aren't even going to be of interest years later. 
and, and they relegate the most important things or the better things to something extra. If I've got the time, if I have the desire, if I feel like it, relegating the most important things to something extra, Christ, His teaching, His service, holiness. It's not a focus. It's, it's just something extra. Eugene Peterson says this, you know, in this type of a world, this 30-second world, it's not difficult in such a world to get a person interested in the message of the gospel. It's terrifically difficult to sustain that interest. Millions of people in our culture make decisions for Christ, but there is a dreadful attrition rate. Many claim to have been born again, but the evidence for mature Christian discipleship is extremely slim. In our kind of culture, anything, even news about God, can be sold if it's packaged freshly. But when it loses its novelty, it goes on the garbage heap. There's a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little enthusiasm for patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. Religion in our time has been captured by the tourist mindset. Religion is understood as a visit to an attractive site to be made when we have adequate leisure. That's not what the church was ever meant to be. That's not what following Christ was meant to be. That's not what your home was meant to be. That's not what your family's meant to be. And certainly if you're raising kids, that's not the way you package Christianity. It's a transformation. It's a complete change from what you were into a new life of what you are and will become. You know, I'm reminded as we look on this pillar-to-post world, the way we raise kids, the way we, uh, we interact with other people, the way we teach sometimes, whether it's our kids, grandkids, whatever it is, even just another person, I- I'm reminded of this scene before Jesus with Mary and Margaret. You- you've heard this story before, Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Think about your life. Jesus is in the house. You get the chance. You get the chance to sit at the feet of Christ. You get the chance to sit at the very designer and creator of everything that you have ever known. But there's a lot that needs to be done. Or at least we think there's a lot that needs to be done. There's a lot of other avenues. There's a lot of other pursuits. There's a lot of other priorities in our lives. And all of these things, while important, we set them up to take the place of Christ. You get the chance to sit at the feet of Christ. It's in the form of His Word. It's in the form of prayer. It's in the form of fasting. It's in the form of meditation. We get the chance to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ. And what do we say? We are not Mary. We are Martha. I will when I have time. I will once I get 
everything else done. Here's the secret, church. You're never going to get everything else done. You're never going to tie a bow on it. You're never going to stand back and say, all right, I've got everything accomplished. Time to listen to Jesus. But Mary says the same thing that you and I might be tempted to say, or Martha says the same thing that you and I might be tempted to say. Mary is learning, absorbing, changing her life at the feet of Jesus. And there's a lot of stuff going on, and Martha gets pretty upset. What does she say? I'm doing the hard stuff. I'm doing the important stuff. She even confronts Jesus about it. She she says, Jesus, don't you even care? Don't you care that Mary's sitting here learning from you and I'm running pillar to post trying to get everything done here? In fact, Jesus says, I care very much. (laughs) I care about things that apparently you don't care about. I care about serious things. I care about the lasting things. Lord, don't you care? That my sister has left me to do the work myself. Tell her to help me. Jesus says, Martha, you, you got your priorities messed up here. I realize that this stuff is important, but it's not the most important thing. He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. But girl, few things are needed. Few things are needed. In fact, he goes one step further. He says... Really, only one thing's needed. Because he tells us multiple times in Scripture that if you're going after the better thing, if you're going after the one thing, he tells us time after time, you know this verse by heart, we'll get there in a minute, that all this other stuff is going to find its place. All this other stuff is going to find its place. It's all going to be taken care of if you pursue the better thing. If you pursue the one thing in your own life, and life your kids, life your grandkids, your students, those you interact with, your job, whatever it may be. Martha, you got your priorities messed up. He says this, few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen, so Mary's sitting at the feet, she's learning about Jesus. Martha's at work. Jesus, your God, said, Mary's chosen what's better. In other words, you've chosen what's worse. Mary's chosen what's better. Sit and learn at the feet of Jesus Christ. Martha's problem was not that she had too much stuff to do. We've all got stuff to do. She allowed those things to distract her and pull her apart. Bottom line was this. She was trying to serve two masters. She was trying to serve two men. Let me ask you, when you talk to your kids or your grandkids, when you talk to your, your nieces, nephews, when you even talk to just friends and family, how many masters do you demand they serve? How many masters do you demand they serve? Two? Three? How many of these opportunities are you giving them? How many masters do you demand they serve? Ten? We just don't have time for Jesus. We're running pillar to post here. How many masters? Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That is the definition of exasperating your children. What's the one thing? I don't know. I don't have one thing. I got two, three, five, ten masters that I'm serving. That's the definition of exasperating your children, provoking them to anger and frustration. 
That's the definition of, of, of exasperating your spouse, your family. How many masters do you demand they serve? Jesus says only one is necessary. That is Jesus himself. Look, this in no way suggests that we should give up on keeping our responsibilities. Jesus doesn't tell Martha that her time is wasted. He doesn't, he doesn't yell at her. He doesn't tell her she's just wasting a bunch of time. He says, but you're making those things more important than sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. We need to keep our responsibilities to raise and support our families, to sacrifice time and effort needed to carve out a life. Everyone knows that. We're not going to pretend that that doesn't exist. In fact, Paul says, as he's writing to Timothy, he says, look, you've you got to care for your family. If, if you just give up caring for your family, and I mean the everyday stuff, he says, you're worse than a heathen. You've denied the faith, in fact. You're, you're worse than someone who hasn't accepted Christ. It is, however, though, a reminder that we can fall into the trap of leaving out the better thing under the guise of providing for them, right? You ever lie to yourself that way? I do. I want to provide, but provide what? What are you providing? You can, you can, you can, you can work all day and all night to provide food for your family. And you can completely deny them the bread of life. You can work all day and all night to keep the lights on. And completely deny your family the light of the world. You can work hard. You can do this. You can bust that. You can, you can, you can spend the hours providing for your family. You can educate them. Be educated yourself and completely leave out truth. You can teach resilience but not quiet perseverance. Respect life, but not the life giver. Protect life, but leave out the great physician. You could teach time and money management, but leave out the necessity of generosity. Woe to you, teachers. Teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup, the dish, but inside, what does Jesus say, where it really counts, you're a mess. You don't want to be a mess. I don't want to be a mess. I don't want our kids to be a mess. I don't want those we interact with. I don't want those we teach. I don't want our spouses to be a mess. And so it behooves us to focus on the better thing. It's easy for things to take the place of the better thing in our life. And it's done easily because it's not done obviously. We've mentioned before, we've talked about this a lot. If someone approaches you just face to face and tells you to deny Jesus, your answer is probably going to be no. At least I hope your answer is no, right? This, this obvious frontal attack never works. That's why Satan doesn't work that way. It, it, it comes slowly. It comes gently, almost imperceptibly, that, that things crowd out the better thing in your life, that, 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 that the concerns and worries of life crowd out the better thing. Certainly, when we're raising our families, it's almost like a plant, you don't see it grow, but it's growing. Still others in Mark 4, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of life, deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And I don't think anybody is... I don't think anybody is adverse to the risk 
of this in life. You know, a servant of Paul, this happened to him. It's one of the most tragic stories in Scripture, and yet it's the shortest story in Scripture. A man by the name of Demas, he writes to Timothy, he says, Do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me, and gone into Thessalonica. Look, none of this is to suggest that a season of late nights at the office is sinful, okay? Nobody's saying that. Scripture doesn't say that. Or that giving gifts of opportunity, whether it's school or hobby or sport or work to your kids is sinful. Nobody's suggesting that either. At no point does God tell us to shirk responsibility to care for our our home and ourselves. But you have to ask the question, whether it's, whether it's you, whether it's a home of one, or, or husband and wife, or whether it's kids, whatever it may be, you have got to ask the question, what does care for your home mean? Many of these important cares are still temporary, but people are not. The church is not. The kingdom of God is not temporary. The church, the kingdom, is forever. And so it comes down to a matter of belief. Do I believe God or do I not? Do I trust what God says or do I not? Because Jesus says point blank in Luke 12, and he says this a couple of places. You know this verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things, they'll find their place. They'll find their place. This is when he was talking about the cares and worries of life. This is when he was talking about running pillar to post. This is when he was talking about, you know, the, 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 the difficult schedules and the, and, the, and the concerns and the sadness and the fear. He says, look, search, search out the better thing and all this other stuff. Church, that's a promise made by Jesus. That's a promise made by Jesus. How many times we, in our minds, in our hearts, even in our actions, do we tell Jesus, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. We say it sometimes by what we do rather than what we actually say. I'm guilty of this. There's been moments. There's been moments in life I've told Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. I do. You ever fall into that trap? You're not strong enough. I am. Never works out. Never works out. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to their folly. One of the best lines of Scripture. Jesus gives us a promise. Focus on the better thing. Everything else will find... That's easier said than done. Why is it uh, so hard to do? First of all, it lacks obvious and immediate results. We just have to accept that. It lacks obvious and immediate results many times. But that's not, even, that's not even the hardest part. I mean, there were people that stood there and watched the miracles of Jesus and still didn't believe in Christ, okay? So that's, that's not the main thing. That's one reason. The other reason is this. The result's not always what we picture. The result's not always what we picture. We've got our picture. We've got our kingdom set up. We've got our idea of what we want our kingdom to be. And Jesus says, but, but you've told me you're not a part of your kingdom. You're a part of mine. You serve my kingdom. You, you do what I want. You, you take after my lead, says Jesus. 
After all, who's the master here, says Christ? Is it me or is it you? A lot of times these things just don't turn out the way we picture. We need to provide for our families, and that means praise, talk about, talk to, learn from Jesus in our lives and in our homes. And we need to do that when we win, and we need to do that when it looks like we've lost. First and foremost, we want to praise Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Because sometimes it does look like we, we lose. We need to give our kids and ourselves the nutrition we need and we want in life, but never at the cost of the true manna of heaven. It was Jesus himself that said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Are you starving? Is your family starving? Are we, are we wasting away without knowing it? These things come with a promise. Again, James 1, it's it's very similar to what Jesus talks about. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, and not going to the wrong page of notes, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. That's another promise. They will be made fortunate in what they do. Those who look into this law of grace, this law of the love of Jesus Christ. We are not promised that we will be cursed if we follow and know and apply God's precepts in Scripture. We are promised that we will be blessed. But bear in mind, it may not be the way we originally pictured it. Church, some of the greatest blessings in my life, and probably yours if you think back, have come from the word no, or not now, or be patient. Some of the greatest blessings have come from that. Maybe, uh, maybe your kids are gone. Maybe they've flown the coop. Well, a couple things. Number one, I, I take great comfort in this. I take great joy in this because we know that while people last, they do change. Maybe years ago, your kids were not receptive to listening to the gospel message, and yet as priorities change, as life catches up, as the difficulty and struggle of life and the direction they seek and they need, sometimes they are more open and more receptive to being introduced to Jesus. Sometimes it's through harsh reality that we hit our knees and accept the truth of Christ, right? There's no atheists in foxholes. We know that. Sometimes his whole life is a foxhole, and they're ready to hear about the truth of Jesus But beyond that, this applies whether you're talking about your kids that you're raising or yourself, just just yourself, to not miss out, not skip out on the better thing. And I'll tell you, sometimes if it's just you, it's, it's more of a temptation. It's more of a temptation to set our priorities such that we are slowly, little by little, building our kingdom And we're running pillar to post. We think it's just me. I can do this. And yet, all the time, we're leaving out what Jesus himself says is the better thing in life. Guys, don't allow your homes to go serving multiple masters. Know what it is in your home and in your life to serve one master. And everything else comes in second to that. It's a great way to have this perspective. It's a great way to have the priorities set in your life. It's also a great way for peace. 
lately, <laughs> lately, my day-by-day actions and interactions have been simply this. I was telling somebody about it on Friday. If Jesus likes it, then I don't care about the result. What I do, what I say, what I think. If, if Jesus loves that, if he cares about that, if it's important to him, then whatever that leads to is not important to me. What's important is that I do, I say, I think, I act in ways that, for lack of a better way to put it, Jesus would be proud of. And then let him take care of the results. Let him take care of the results. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who Jesus is. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the king of our lives, that you do have this strength and this power and this knowledge. Father, we do thank you that we get the chance to sit at your feet. Father, help us never to put something else in its place that that, that we may invent, that we may just pretend is a better thing. Father, help us to promise, to, 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 to trust your promises, promise after promise after promise that you make to us. Father, we need strength. We need humility. We need trust. We need trust, Father. If that means taking us clear down to our knees, then take us down to our knees and build us back up. Give us trust in who you are and what you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing. I follow
Well, church, keep Kaladin and Gemma in mind. How did Gemma like the message? Was it okay? Yeah? All right. I didn't know. I didn't know why. Couldn't tell if it was her crying, if it was just Troy. I don't know. I'm just afraid that's... Let's, let's thank God for our time. Father, we do thank you. We love you. Uh, we, we love you. And we're trying to figure out the best way to show that, the best way to live that out. Sometimes we do it right. Sometimes we do it um, this morning when we usually do because we had more important things happening, right? So I want you to keep some of these things in mind. Russellmania starts next Wednesday, or this coming, the 11th. Starts the 11th. At 6 o'clock, Wednesday evening. So make sure you, uh, your kids are here for that. You can come for that as well, and you can stick around. I've got a study, Bible study going on during that time uh, from 6 to 7.30, I think it is. We're going through Ecclesiastes. The uh, title of the study is Worthless. Uh, so you can uh, take that for what it's worth, I guess. Uh, we'll be going through Ecclesiastes. It's kind of a misunderstood uh, book. And we'll have a chance to do that uh, next Sunday, January 15th, the third and fourth grade. Uh, get to have just a time of fun after church. So uh, eat some meal. They, they, they play together. I mean, it's just a number of things that Laura has planned for. That's next Sunday after church. Ask Laura about that. She'll be able to give you some more information. I believe they're going to the bowling alley, but I'm not sure. Maybe I'm confusing that with another one. Uh, bowling? Who said yes? Yeah? Okay. Addison knows. Addison Going to the bowling. Um, the big thing, CBM leaves Sunday, February 5th. Our, our missionaries leave on February 5th. This is a big deal coming up next month. Uh, the Sunday before that, we're going to have a time, hopefully, that they'll be here. Uh, our missions team, I haven't told them about this, missions team, elders, they're all going to be here as well. We're going to talk about them. We're going to pray over them and this mission for their joy, their effectiveness, and their safety. And so I encourage you to be here for that. Also, get your chili ready. Uh, those of you who make chili, we like to have a friendly chili competition, and uh, we do that on the same night of the Super Bowl, and so you can be here for that. It's a lot of fun uh, if you want to make chili. If you don't want to make chili, show up and eat chili and watch some football, and uh, it should be a good time, okay? So keep all those things in mind. The other thing that I mentioned in the first service uh, is... Uh, and I don't know that Rob is in here. I do know Addison's in here. Addison, if you could stand for just a minute. Um, Addison, Alig, and Rob Shields, uh, just kind of kicking it off at the beginning of the year, uh, at this point have resigned uh, deaconship. They've served for many years and served with distinction. Uh, they have certainly gained and earned my respect. They are men above reproach. Uh, but the time has come where they, they don't want to serve there. They want to serve in different ways. And so that's what happens. And it, this, is, this is the way this is done. And it's done well. And it's done properly this way. And so I appreciate Addison's service and Rob's service. Uh, so they won't officially be deacons, but they're not retiring from the church, right? I mean, they're continuing to, you know. Uh, and, and hopefully, I think I'm putting him on a spot here. I think he's still going to be playing some music for us, right? Yes. All right. If he wasn't, he is now. That's <laughs> Thanks, Addison. I appreciate that. Uh, so keep those things, keep that in mind as you move forward. One of the verses that I've been thinking about, meditating on, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. 
for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. For to you I entrust my life. I've been kind of chewing on this over the past week, uh, maybe past two weeks. Um, a, lot of, a lot of times, a lot of seasons in life, you kind of restructure and, and get your priorities in order. Um, over the past couple of weeks, maybe last weekend, uh, was, was a fun weekend for us. We, uh, maybe for you, uh, we got to watch some pretty good college football. Um, I didn't, weren't too many people that liked the outcome that I knew. Uh, but there were some good games uh, going on. We really enjoyed that. Sam and I got to watch that, watch it with Grandpa and, and, and so forth. We had, we had a great time. Uh, afterwards, of course, after the game, they always have a press conference. You know, the coach comes in, says exactly the same thing as every, every other coach does, uh, and exactly the same thing they said last year, just different names. That's pretty much how that goes. Uh, but they also talk to the quarterback. And over this past season with Ohio State, you know, C.J. Stroud, that quarterback, I've never met him personally, but the, the, he comes in, he talks to the crowd, he talks to the, the media. And as they were winning, as he was setting records, it was, it was kind of neat. He would come in and we'd begin every press conference the same way. He would say, first and foremost, I want to give all the glory and praise of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Before he would say anything, that's how he would start every press conference. I could do that if I was winning. <laughs> if I was winning some games, it'd be fun. I no problem with that. I give all all the praise, all the glory. I'll give praise and glory to anybody you want. We're, we're, we're you know we're we're winning. I'm setting records. Did you ever see, did you see the press conference after the Michigan game or after the Georgia game? I don't know if you watched that. Hard losses, hard losses. He came in, he sat down, he says, first and foremost, I want to give all the praise and glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's going to be remembered as the quarterback who never beat Michigan, right? I mean, that's, I want to give all the glory and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know him, I've never met him. I, I, I assume, I hope, his personality and his character goes along with his, with his profession. But we get this idea that in some people's lives, there is something more important. There is something bigger than whatever it is we're doing right now. Some of the, even, even as big as these things may be, there's something grander than that, something better than what we're involved in in the moment. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the love that you've given us. I thank you, Father, that we get to learn. We get to begin to understand and apply um, some, as a reminder of some of these things in our life, Father, that what you want is most important, that your desire, that your, 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 your precepts in Scripture are what define, shape, order our lives. Father, help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Apparently, you should listen to your parents. Who knew? Right? That's the way it goes. Your, your, your parents have experience. They have wisdom. They have, sometimes they have wisdom. If they don't have wisdom, they at least have experience. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're told in Scripture, hey, you ought to pay attention to what your parents tell you because you're going to be blessed in this land if you do those things. And my parents used to tell me stuff all the time. They used to tell me, hey, look, this isn't as big a deal as you think it is. <laughs> Whatever it was, <laughs> someday, 
this isn't really going to be on your radar. Uh, I've been confronted even now with what seemed like major issues even after eight years in Sam's life. He's only eight years old. And in the lives of other kids, all right? And every time I, I do my best to treat them with patience and the empathy that the situation demands. But while they're talking about this, whatever it is that's destroying their life, I, I can't help but think that years from now, you're not even going to care, man. You, you're either not even going to care, or you're not even going to remember some of this stuff, this, the, these hard moments and these difficult things, these things that you think are so important right now. And there have been times once in a while that I've told Sam these things, although I do it, you know, of course, with a great deal of charm. Uh, I know things seem important now, but you'll get through it. And, of course, it comes, we know this is true. It comes with experience, the experience of life. Priorities change. Interests change. There are things, church, that I'm interested in now that I was not interested in at all 20 years ago. Things that I, I find very fascinating. And I, I, one of these days I want to get involved in, try and do. There are things that I was very interested in 20 years ago that, frankly, today I could take or leave. Doesn't make me any difference. I, just, just changed. I, you know, I thought they were, they defined the world 20 years ago. And now, ah, doesn't really make that much of a difference to me. They don't amount to much. I remember... I remember when I was down at OSU, I remember a, a class we had, I, one of the exercises, we were going to do an exercise with this. The instructor said, hey, look, I want you to write down the one thing in your life that if you lost, it would destroy you. You, you, would, you would be crushed. You know, you'd be filled with sadness or hopelessness or, you know, whatever it might be. Just this one thing. I want you to write that thing down that, that you couldn't lose. I remember this class. I remember the instructor. I can see him in my, in my mind's eye. Matter of fact, I always thought he looked like Mark Butler over at uh, Benjamin Lillian. It wasn't him, but it looked like him. I remember the, the building we were in. I remember the room we were in. I remember that there were three people that I knew in that class, where I was sitting and where they were sitting. You know what I can't remember? What I wrote down. I have no idea what I wrote down. This was supposed to be the thing that defined your life. The one thing that you couldn't lose, you couldn't live without. I have no idea what I wrote down. The point is this. A lot of the things that we do do not last. A lot of things we like don't last. A lot of things we're involved in don't last. A lot of things we put time and effort into do not last. Our priorities change, our interests change, our desires change over time. Life fills in, and, and, and then that part of life goes away, and more life fills in. And you know from your own experience, this is true, some of the things we thought were wonderful or great now have lost its luster. Some of the things we thought were too big or too scary now we treat like a little pet. Things change over time. Our castles, our kingdoms, desires, failures, problems, fears, even our joys change. Don't base your whole life, don't base your life or the lives of your kids on the importance or seeming importance of these temporary things. Don't do that. 
You're going to waste your life and theirs. You're going to ruin your life and theirs. You're going to get the spring break tattoo. Don't do that. All right? I loved her, man. I hope she had a common name. That's all I can say, brother, because don't get the spring break tattoo. And that's what this is. There's a lot of things that we call priorities in life. We spend a lot of time, effort. We, 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 our lives revolve around them. And they end up coming to naught. Many of these things don't exist, but a person, a person does. Your kids exist now for the rest of time. You exist now for the rest of time. Once you're created, you are created to exist now forever. And we've talked about this a lot last year. You either exist forever in the glory and the presence and the rest and the beauty of Christ, or you exist forever in separation and darkness and all the horrors that come with that. That's forever. You, who you are, what you are, exists forever. Your kids exist forever. Your spouses exist forever. Your families exist forever. Many of the acts and the jobs and the hobbies that we focus on are important. Look, nobody's going to deny that. Nobody should deny that. Even God, writing to the Thessalonians through Paul, says this. Look, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. If he doesn't work, that's, by the way, that's just Bible, church. Okay? That's just Bible. You don't work, you don't eat. All right? That's all that is. But I see, and I have experienced, and, and, and it's getting to the point where it, it crushes me. I, I, I'm getting to the point where I get frustrated. I'm getting, I don't like that. I'm getting to the point where I get angry. I see so much of humanity, and maybe most of humanity, putting so much emphasis on temporary things. Their lives revolve around temporary things, even temporary likes and dislikes, temporary priorities, instead of what is better. Everything's relegated to something extra, instead of the lasting thing. Christ and His teaching, His service. Holiness is not a focus. It's just something extra. Eugene Peterson put it this way. Look, it's not difficult in a 30-second world to get a person interested in the message of the gospel. But it is terribly difficult to sustain that interest. Millions of people in our culture, I've actually been told by preachers who have preached for 50, 60 years, I've actually been told from them, I could not minister today. I could not do this today because of the different world in which we live. See, this is something that you and I need to take very seriously because even with all of our past and all of our history and all of our experience, these things are constantly changing. He says this, Peterson says this, it's uh, terrifically difficult to sustain interest. Millions of people in our culture make decisions for Christ but there is a dreadful attrition rate. Many claim to have been born again, but the evidence for mature Christian discipleship is extremely slim. In our kind of culture, anything, even the news about God, can be sold if it's properly packaged. But when it loses its novelty, it goes on the garbage heap. There's a great market for religious experience in our world. There is very little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. Religion in our time 
has been captured by the tourist mindset. Religion is understood as a visit to an attractive site to be made simply when we have adequate leisure. That's what it means. That's what it looks like. And I see it every day. If you start looking for it, it's right in front of you all the time. What you hear, who you talk to, what you read. When it comes to how we live our lives and our focus and our priorities, certainly how we raise our kids, how we, how we influence kids, grandkids, our students, our spouses, whatever it is, I'm reminded so much in this pillar-to-post world of a scene between Mary, or with Mary and Martha in front of Jesus. You've heard this, kind of you heard this story fairly recently, if I remember, with, uh, with Cody. Luke chapter 10, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. That's what she was doing. That was Mary. Jesus walks in the house. Mary recognizes that Jesus is in the house. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't, have, she doesn't know all the things that have to get done. But what she realizes is that the very creator of the entire universe just walked in to her living room. So she sat down and started asking questions. She sat down and started taking notes. She realized she was in the presence of Christ. When you're in your prayer time, when you study, when you read, when you know the very Word of God as it lays open in the presence of Christ. This is what Mary understood. What was Martha doing? But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She wasn't distracted in a bad way. In other words, she wasn't distracted in a guilty way. She was distracted the way she saw it in a good way. There's stuff to do. I got to work. I got to focus on this and I got to focus on that and I got to work hard over here and I got to provide this over there and I got to do this and do this and do that. How many times do we get caught in that trap? I got to focus on this priority and that priority and this thing because this is important and that's important. But learning at the feet of Jesus... I'll get there when everything else is done. I'll get there when everything else is done. Here's a secret that some of you wise people know. It never gets all done. Ever. If you've just tied a bow around a problem, I got some good and bad news for you. There's another problem coming along the way. Always. You never get to this place where you finished it all. You step back, you say, you know what? I've, I've done it all. I've got it all figured out. And if we're waiting to sit quietly and patiently at the feet of Christ until all that's done, we'll never do it. Until it naturally works its way up the chain to become the priority, it'll never get done, ever. You're going to go your whole lives And you're never going to sit at the feet of Christ. You're going to go your whole lives. And you and your family are never going to sit at the feet of Christ. You're never going to do that with your kids or your grandkids or your nieces, nephews, your spouse. It's never going to happen. Because we, like Martha, are running pillar to post with all these things we think are priorities. And by the way, we're lying to ourselves in the process saying, look at me at how responsible I am. Finally, she gets fed up with it. She tells Jesus, don't you even care? That I'm over here doing all of this 
work, important stuff, and all Mary's doing is sitting there listening to the God of the universe? That's what she says. Jesus replies, Martha, look, you're upset and you're worried about a lot of stuff here, girl. But there are very few things in your life that are actually needed. There are very few things right now in this moment that are actually needed. And Matt, he takes it a step further. He says, actually, if you think about it, really only one thing's needed. One thing. Mary has, ch- Martha's working. She's getting all the housework done. She's getting all the stuff done. She's getting all the food made. She's getting all these priorities knocked off the list, right? Mary's sitting quietly at the feet of Jesus, learning. Your God said, Mary has chosen what is better. You've chosen what's worse. I don't care how many lies you want to tell yourself, how you want to trick yourself into it. You've chosen what's worse. Mary's chosen what's better. To learn who, what, how, why Jesus is and the transformation of an entire life. And he goes even further than that. He says, Mary's chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. That's a promise to you and me, by the way. It will not be taken away from them. Martha's problem was not that she had too much stuff to do. Right? We've all got stuff to do. you got a lot of stuff to do. i got stuff to do. It's that she allowed those things to distract her and pull her apart, completely separated now from Jesus she wasn't communing with Jesus. She just simply happened to be in the same house. That was it. She was just in the same room with Jesus. She wasn't, she wasn't in fellowship with Christ and allowing that to change who and what she is. She just happened to be in the same room, same house. Basically, Martha was trying to serve two masters. I mean, that's, that's, that's the basics of it. There were two masters. Her list of priorities that she thought was really important, and Jesus, his teaching, this time, this fellowship, this communion, this understanding between her and Christ, two masters. Let me ask you something. When it comes to you, your family, your spouse, your kids, whatever, how many masters do you demand they serve? By the way you act, by how you tell them what's important in life or the priority, what they got to stick with, what they got to focus on, how many masters do you demand they serve? Or do you tell your family, you got one master, guys, one, relax, be at peace. You have one master, Jesus who loves you. See, this is the same thing Jesus told you and me. We just have a hard time believing him. You've heard this before. Seek first. I don't even know if I'm at this verse yet. Hold on, I'm jumping ahead. We'll get there. Do you tell, do you tell, your, do you tell your spouse, do you tell yourself as you look in the mirror? How many masters am I going to serve today? How many ma- who, this master up here, this master, this priority, this important, this, is, this master, this master, that master. Do not, fathers, exasperate your children. That's the definition of exasperating your, chi- your children. Telling them, hey, you got, you got 15 masters here to serve today. Now, you got one. One master to serve. The rest of this stuff, it'll find its place. This in no way 
church suggests that we should give up keeping our responsibilities. Nobody's saying that. To raise and support your family, sacrifice time and effort needed to carve out a life. Everybody has to do that. First Timothy, this is anyone who doesn't support his family is worse than a heathen. They're worse than somebody who's, they've denied the faith. They're, they're worse than somebody who's an unbeliever. However, it is a reminder that we can fall into the trap of leaving out the better thing, the better thing in our lives, under the guise of what? Providing for them or providing for ourselves, whatever it is. Under the, the guise of being responsible, provide for, pro, provide what? Provide what? You work all you want to provide your family with, with put food on the table. And the whole time you're doing that, you can deny them the bread of life. You work all you want to keep the lights on. And while you're doing that, deny them and yourself the light of the world. What are you providing your family? What are you yourself with? When it comes to all these different priorities, all these focuses, these things are important. We can educate ourselves, we can educate others, and completely leave out the truth. We can teach resilience and industry and leave out perseverance. Teach people to respect life, but not the life giver. Protect life, but not know the great physician. We can teach people to manage their time and their money, but leave out the necessity of generosity. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees. You hypocrites, you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside is still a mess. The inside is still a mess. This is what Martha was doing, washing the outside of the cup. This is what we spend our lives doing, washing the outside of the cup. We say, this is the important stuff. I got a family to feed. I got a spouse. I got a house. I got this and that. I got to do the important stuff. You don't even know what the important stuff is because you don't believe what Jesus tells you. The important stuff is to know who and what Christ is, to teach that in your home, to follow his precepts, to be a changed person from the inside out, not from the outside in. I'm telling you, every day I see people put so much care on stuff that's going to turn to dust. It annoys me to death. They're starving. They're starving. Their families are starving. Oh, they got plenty of food on the table. That's not what I'm talking about. They're starving because they don't have any manna from heaven. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the focus point. This is what we need to focus on. It's easy for us, though, to replace the better thing with something else. And it's easy because it's, it's, it's not done obviously. We've talked about this before. Somebody comes up to you and they say, hey, deny Christ. You know, you're going to say no. I, no. Now, I, at least I certainly hope everybody in this room is going to say no. I'm not doing that. The frontal attack rarely ever works, right? The direct front attack. That's why these, 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 this priority shift in our life for all these temporary things, they kind of crowd out Jesus. That's why it's gentle. It's, it's almost imperceptible, almost like a plant grows. It's interesting that Jesus would say something like this. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of life, deceitfulness of wealth, desires of other things, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Again, just to reiterate, none of this is telling you 
that a season of late nights at the office is sinful. Nobody's saying that. Or that giving gifts of opportunity to your kids, whether it's school or hobby or sport or work, that's not sinful in and of itself either. And no point does God tell us to shirk these types of responsibilities, care for our home and ourselves. But you need to ask the question, what does care for my home mean? What does care for my home actually mean? Many of these important cares are temporary. The kingdom of God is not temporary. The church is not temporary. You realize that. You do know that, right? That the kingdom of God lasts forever. That this kingdom, this world that we see does not. You last forever. The kingdom of God lasts forever. The church lasts forever. It's designed from the very beginning to exist forever. We can walk through that. We'll do a series on that one of these days. It's designed to last forever. These are the types of things we focus on first. Not exclusively, but focus on first. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all this other stuff that we've been talking about will be added to you as well. They're all going to find their place. See, it's a matter of belief. Do I believe the words of God or do I not? Do I trust what God says or do I not? Because this is from the mouth of Christ with a promise. Seek first the kingdom of God. Be merry first. And then Martha, all this other stuff is going to find its place. Be merry first. Whether it's in your job, whether it's in your home life, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's with your spouse or your kids, whether it's at school or work or sport for crying out loud, Jesus first. The other stuff's going to find its place. There's a lot of stuff I don't not remember growing up. There's a lot of stuff I thought was really cool, really fun, really important, and I don't remember growing up. One of the things I do remember and will always remember all of my life is the whole family coming down in the morning, every morning, sitting around the breakfast table, my dad reading the Bible. I'll never forget it. And eating a grapefruit. Plain. Like just peeling it. Maybe that's why I remember it. I don't know. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's hard because it lacks obvious and immediate results. I get it. It's hard because the picture of the win is not what we thought it was going to be. I understand that too. But look, guys, you, you have to praise and worship. You have to talk about, talk to. You have to learn from Jesus in your homes and even in your own personal life whether you win the game or whether it appears like you lose the game. That's focusing on Christ first. That's putting the kingdom of God first. This is what it means to be the Marys of life. And it's not the only place we're promised. James 1.25, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. Made fortunate, that's what that means. They will be made fortunate in what they do. There's a lot of people that you're going to come in contact with, you're either going to talk to, you're going to work with, you're going to read about, you're going to hear, whatever, that call the temporary things of life the priorities of life. That is not true. It is not true. It's a lie. The important things, the most important things in life is the teaching, 
the understanding of Christ. It's the presence of Christ. It's the transformation that Christ makes to you and me. It's service to His kingdom, not yours. So I promise you, no matter how big your castle is that you build, it's going to come down. It's going to come down. Service to His kingdom and not ours. It comes with a promise. Seek first the kingdom of God. Then all this other stuff, guys, is going to find its place. What do we know? What do we know about human beings? They're lasting, but their priorities change. Now, all of a sudden, we're dumping all of our priorities into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. What about all these wants? Eventually, we find out they're really not wants at all, are they? (laughs) I don't care. Take them or leave them. Doesn't make me any difference. Because all of that now has been changed by being Mary's in our home. Sounds weird. But be Mary's in your home. Be Mary's in your own life. Be Mary's as you interact with your kids and your grandkids. Strangers, if you wish, but certainly those that you have influence over. Now, it may be that um, maybe your kids are grown and gone. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you're, you live by yourself. Maybe you're not married. Maybe, maybe you don't have any kids. Um, what do we do with that? Well, a couple things. Number one, I take a great deal of, of, of peace and, and comfort in a message like this because I know that perhaps years ago I had the opportunity to talk to my kids about Jesus and they were unreceptive to it. What do we know? Our priorities change throughout life. Things happen, right? And life gets involved and life gets hard and it gets messy. And many times as people grow and they mature, they become open and understanding and receptive to the introduction of Jesus Christ in their life because life is hard, right? There's no atheists in foxholes, right? They, they, they're receptive to some of these things. And so I take a great deal of hope with a message like this that things are changing. But if it's just me in my home, the same rule applies. The same rule applies whether I'm teaching someone else or not. It needs to be a focus in my life to do what is better first, what is not as good second. What is better first, not as good second. This is what I've been doing. I, and look, I don't know if it works for you, it works for me. I don't know if it works for me. I, I got to a point where I didn't have anything left. I'll talk about this another day. Um, but in, for the, and this is recent, past two weeks, um, I, just, I just said, look, from here on out, if what I do, what I say, what I think, pleases Jesus, for lack of a better way to put it, if he's proud of it, then whatever happens because of that, I don't care. I, I, I don't care. Because I can't do anything about that. What I want is to think what Jesus would be proud of. To say what he would be proud of. To have the mentality of that. Probably mess it up, but the focus is that. And then the reaction to that, I don't care. I just don't care. I think this is where Christ was. I think this is, this is the way he honored the Father. We cared about people, don't get me wrong, but not the reaction. He cared about doing the will of the Father. He cared about putting the good stuff first, the, real, the better thing first. 
and let everything else find its place. It's going to be a mess for a little bit. I'm just telling you this right now, okay? So it's going to be a mess until that evens out. It's going to be that way in your life. But this is the way Jesus pursued the will of the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you have for us. We thank you, Father, that we realize there are things that we can control and there's things we can't. But what we can control is sitting at the feet of Christ to, to pursue the desire of Jesus, to be like Mary. Father, help us to work hard. Help us to be industrious. Help us to, to raise our family. All of these, Father, help us. Give us strength for that. Help us to realize, open our eyes to realize that these are not evil, that these are not bad things. But Father, help us also to see what is most important, what is truly better. That we know who Jesus is, that we immerse ourselves into who and what Christ wants for us. And that we truly are transformed, changed from the inside to the outside. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing. message? Yeah? Was it okay? All right. Okay. 
works for me. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you, Father, that you give us direction, that you give us meaning and purpose. We thank you that you're real. We thank you that Jesus really did die. He really does live again. Father, we want to follow Christ. We want we want to be more like Christ. To be perfectly honest, Father, we, we want joy also. We want to experience the fun stuff too. We want, we want all of that. Father, I ask that you will never, though, allow those desires to take the place of sitting at the feet of Christ, whether it's in prayer or, or your word or meditation or fasting, whatever it may be that we get the chance to do that and, and actually focus on what is going to last forever. Help us to teach these to our kids. Help us to remind our children that Jesus is forever. That you have been a part of this creation, that you made this creation. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hard times and conversations. No one should ever love me like you do. Sometimes my bad decisions define my false suspicions. No one should ever love me like you do. My old, my past was saying no. One. 